Hi there guys, welcome to the Body Power Mind podcast with me, Adam Robinson. Today, I talk to Sean Sykes. Now, Sean is a keen expeditionist and stand-up paddleboard enthusiast. She's got many qualifications under her belt surrounding water sports, expedition and mountaineering. She's also a keen activist fighting to protect our wildlife. So without further ado, let's learn, let's apply, let's inspire, let's do it. So today, guys, we have Sean Sykes on the show. I'm really, really excited for this one. Um, again, Sean is um, she is, she's done everything. She's an um, adventurer, explorer, business owner, record breaker, sup enthusiast. That the list just goes on and on. Um, so I'm really excited for this one. But I mean, if we just jump straight in with you, Sean. I mean, if we take this from the beginning. Where do you think your journey officially began in exploration? And can you talk us through um, your earlier years? Oh, gosh, that's a really good question. Um, I'd say I, I had a fascination when I was really, really young. My, my mother inspired me to the great outdoors when I was only three weeks old. She took me wild camping. And obviously, I can't remember that at all. But um from a very young age, she encouraged me to uh, be outside, have a love and a fascination with it. And I had a deep fascination with the sea, um, the mountains at a very, very early age. And I was always, you know, exploring, uh, immersing myself with nature. And I, I thrived on it and it, it made me sparkle and shine. And um, I absolutely loved it. And then Sadly, I kind of lost sight of that when when I went to university and I got attracted by, you know, earning mega bucks in the cities after leaving university. So I guess, you know, in terms of my uh, hunger for the great outdoors was a very young age, really young age. And um, it's been lovely to get back into it now. So do you think, um, so all the source of your adventure and exploration is just generally through curiosity of nature? Totally. I, I, I guess I think for me, I love the space, the freedom. I love the ever changing elements it brings. Um, I, I feel really connected with nature and, um, and I love how for me, I love being on the sea um, and it's because it's ever changing and you respect the water and you have to adapt. And I think I'm really curious of, you know, being really in tune with the tides, the sea state and just to go in flow with it rather than fighting it. And then just go on a journey of exploring coves and um, hidden beaches. And, you know, who knows what marine life you'll encounter along the journey. It's, you know, it's absolutely incredible. And I'm so, you know, fortunate to have that opportunity to, you know, do it as a business, but also in my free time, too. Yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? I think it's going where people haven't been before. I think it, there's something quite exciting about that, and you can only ever get that in nature. Um, you know, I've um, I've recently got into um, SUP myself. Um, for, the, for the people that are unsure what that is, that's uh, stand-up paddleboarding. 
And um, me and my fiance have been doing that. Um, we've only been out twice, um, but we're just itching to get back out again. But um, we went on the on the D River, and um, you know, usually people are there. They're walking along the side with the dogs and stuff. And people were passing us, walking past. You know, people probably walk there. You know, all all times of day, every day of the week. But you very rarely get people seeing nature from being on the water perspective you know and you're 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 going past these these trees and bushes and the birds flying around and it's it's almost like it's almost like a different world isn't it getting out of that fast-paced environment into a much slower paced environment one that you can just rest and relax in Mm, i i i think you're right i think um uh stand-up paddleboarding allows you to go on a journey and that's 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 the real joy of it and um and as you said it's a wonderful perspective a bird's eye view and you know you can see fish looping out of the water in front of you you can see birds flying over your head and um it's just a different perspective and you know for me with stand-up paddleboarding you can make it you know tranquil and relaxing where you're in a meditative state or you can make it challenging by going out in really spicy conditions. I think that's the real pleasure with stand-up paddleboarding. You know, a lot of people associate paddleboarding as bikini and board shorts on flat lakes, but you can really, you know, really mix it up and, you know, do cool down wind on the sea or sup surfing. I think, you know, it, it, can tap into everybody's hunger for an activity either if you're a drilling junkie or if you're wanting time out say with example with your partner you know it has it all really yeah I think that's it isn't it I think there's something there for everyone and um it's it's easy to get involved with as well isn't it I think totally and it's so accessible it's the fastest growing water sport which is amazing because it you know different shapes and sizes different abilities can do it and um you know with some top tips you can you know get the basics so you're on your feet and then you can develop your skills further understanding on how the water works and getting some ninja skills on the board where you'll benefit from but it, it you know it's a really good opportunity for everybody to try it out yeah so um one thing i wanted to touch on as well was um your earlier career i mean you mentioned that you left this career um which you know was well paid and a a good job um and you left that to um I thought it was the right time. I devoted, you know, um, early part of my adult life to advertising and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I loved the challenge. I loved the thrill. It was great status. But to be honest, um, towards the end of it, I I just had this um, desire to move back home to Wales to reconnect with nature. Because when I was working in Manchester and London, I was so far removed from nature. And um, when I used to go back to Wales to visit friends or family at the weekend I found it really hard to gear up back to London life and and I think you know that's when I knew I made the right decision to change career and you know I didn't suddenly jump ship I I made a transition where I used to do six months on in London in the winter and then for the first year I did six months training becoming a mountain leader a climbing coach and um, I kind of made that transition um, and then after a few years of doing that, I actually, you know, 
um, decided to go for it and make a permanent transition my life back here in North Wales, living the dream. That's it. It's a beautiful, um, a beautiful part of the world, isn't it? It's um, very underrated if you live around here, isn't it? You know, you can walk out your doorstep and you've just got stunning, stunning countryside absolutely everywhere. Um, so we're very privileged to have that. Um, mm. Is that is that when you started psyched paddleboarding then? Uh, I, I set up a different company, to be honest, um, which was Psyched Adventures, offering guiding and climbing. And I then just discovered paddleboarding by chance. And I absolutely loved it. For me, it was a wonderful way to journey. I had such a fascination with water. And, I, you know, I tried sea kayaking in the past and I love the sea. But to be honest, I was always petrified of capsizing and if I was able to do a roll back up. And it kind of put me off from developing my skills um, with that fear of being trapped. And, you know, how I discovered stand-up paddleboarding, it was wonderful because if you fall in the water, you, you just jump back on your board. And I had a real privilege by joining some friends on a trip going across England. And I joined them from Bath to Reading and... You know, we explored these wonderful um, river, watching uh, kingfishers, sleeping in a forest with wild garlic, seeing deer. And it was a wonderful way for us to journey and be immersed in nature. And that's why I got the hunger for it. And then I decided that I wanted to train as a stand-up paddleboarding coach. And I actually changed my whole business to then psyched paddleboarding offering pure stand-up paddleboarding rich experiences and just to share my fascination my love my joy for the great outdoors and and what stand-up paddleboarding can bring to everybody well that's amazing so you just you just naturally and organically sort of flowed into that um that 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 idea of bringing sup um into the coaching side of it as well it just all happened very naturally I think so. And I think uh, for me, uh, it all followed from my big passion, you know, enjoying myself, having fun. And, you know, I had this real hunger to develop more skills and experience with stand-up paddleboarding. And it just opened more and more doors and everything seemed for leading me down that journey to focus on stand-up paddleboarding. And obviously combining my love for expeditions too, it, it fits in hand in hand, really. Yeah. So which places have you been to then? I mean, you must have traveled everywhere with with, um, your business. Oh, gosh. I've been to Mongolia, China, India, Nepal, Morocco, Iceland, just to name a few. Oh, and the Alps. I love the Alps. And um, for me, it's, it's just a wonderful way just to immerse yourself in nature and experience different cultures. Wow, so you you really have been everywhere then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's still a few more on my uh, my bucket list. I definitely have a few more. Oh, I bet there is. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, obviously, we we can't go through this podcast without bringing up um, your your adventures um, from circumnavigating, you know, Wales um, and and um, specifically Anglesey as well. I mean. That sounds like an awesome accomplishment to actually achieve. I mean, can can you talk us through um, the Anglesey yeah, circumnavigation first? What what made you what made you want to do that? Uh, sure. Well, obviously, um, Anglesey is where I'm based. We're blessed with a stunning coastline, and and beautiful views of Snowdonia and the Flint Peninsula. And 
I I just wanted to set off on something which I thought was achievable for me to do, but just to push my comfort zone and my you know my skill. And uh, I set off and um, I allocated five days for it. And suddenly, you know, when I set off, it was like a force nine. <laughs> Uh, so plans had to change. So I so I did a cool downwind on the Manai Strait, and and I learned a lot from that trip. And um, and I was very respectful about the weather, and you know, looking at the tides and taking it to my advantage. And um, you know, there was one time when I paddled, I think forty five kilometers, and at that time, that was the you know the longest I'd paddled for in one session. And you know, it really built me up, ready for. Um, taking on the Welsh expedition but I you know I love the Anglesey one it was a real joy I was fortunate to see um, seals on my trip and porpoise and um, it was just lovely just to explore further my stunning coastline. Yeah I mean you know when when you say it I mean I think it's is it 120 kilometers I think I read circumnavigation around is that right? Yeah near enough yeah yeah. I mean, if people are, you know, listening to that, like 120 kilometers around Anglesey on a paddleboard, they're probably thinking that's going to be, you know, an incredible uh, and an event that's going to take its toll on the body. Um, I mean, did you ever, you know, did you ever doubt your abilities to get around there? Was there Mm -hmm. ever a time where, you know, where you thought this is too much? I don't, I might have to stop for a bit or I might have to rest or, I mean, did you ever doubt yourself? No, I didn't doubt myself. I I just really went within, listened to my body and respected the conditions. So I'd only go out on the conditions which I was comfortable in. Um, I don't know if you're aware, with Anglesey, we've got some very complex water and... And for example, the Menai Straits, you need to really read that well, the, you know, how to navigate and look at the timings with the tide and read in the water because there's like whirlpools, um, which is quite fun. And um, and also around some of the key point of headlands around Anglesey, there's some tidal races. So again, it's about timing that in the right conditions. Um, and for me, that's where I get my kick when it's complex water, it's challenging, it's pushing me further. Um, and I really, I really come into my own and I become really at one with the sea, if that kind of makes sense. I Because when you're on the paddleboard, you're really feeling with your feet, the rest of your body. So when you're in choppy water, you're, you're adapting your whole body to... Um, to complement the water you're in and I suppose you know for me that's why I got a real kick a real buzz from that challenge do you think you've always been this driven definitely I, I I'm one of these type of people who you know sets a goal and I I I I, I guess that's my manifestation and then it and then it unfolds and unravels and you know I've been able to achieve a lot by having this sort of game plan of what I want to do. And it's been a joy of a journey getting there. And, um, and I think with all expeditions, it's a head game, isn't it? And I think if you're firing on all cylinders, you have a positive outlook. And if you're sensible enough by reading the conditions and being respectful for the conditions, you know, you can achieve your goals, but the whole thing is about enjoying yourself. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's the main thing, isn't it? You know, you've, you've got to enjoy 
the the goal and and the process, haven't you? I think. Um, yeah. How how did the circumnavigation around Anglesey compare to Wales? I mean, we can obviously see the difference, but I mean, how was it to you? Um, that's a really good question. I'd I'd say I, I'd grown up a lot more. Um, compared from my Anglesey trip. On my Anglesey trip, you know, I muddled around it going on an inflatable 10-8 paddleboard and and I just made do with, you know, with the boards I had. For this one, um, the more recent one going around Wales, I decided to move to a hardboard and, and I'm glad I went for that decision. So I think from that trip, it gave me the foundation to develop further, uh, a better understanding I already had the skills and the expertise and the knowledge on um, expeditions, so camp cross skills. I, I knew what kit I was capable of using and what I felt comfortable of using. I minimised my faff time. Um, I, you know, I did solid six months training for it before the trip and testing out all the equipment in different conditions just to make sure I felt comfy. But, you know, I was firing on all cylinders and completely psyched to set off. And, um, yeah, it was an amazing trip. What sort of training protocol did you go through beforehand? I had a personal trainer and they were getting me ready for the conditions, but also, you know, for me just getting out on um, on the water, really, and going out in challenging conditions, um, practicing drills where the board flips over in surf and trying to flip the board back on, making sure my kit is, you know, properly tapped to the board so I wouldn't lose it if my board capsized, um, just reenacting some sort of safety scenarios using my VHS, my spot tracker, you know, looking at using my emergency paddle. And, um, yeah, the one thing which I didn't do was train my body on the type of food I was going to encounter on my journey. That was the only thing which I sort of didn't master. Um, but to be honest, during my trip, I was fine with my nutrition. Looking back, I don't know how I managed to do it, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so what sort of food were you eating then? Well, um, so for you listeners who aren't aware, I'm also a bit of an eco-warrior. And it goes hand in hand with stand-up paddleboarding. So paddleboarding allows me as a message to share and inspire people about what's going out there in the world, how we can make positive changes. So my trip around Wales was to highlight um, single-use plastics and my trip was single-use plastic free. And also I um, I have a plant-based diet and I don't eat gluten. So as you can imagine, and especially for you as a PT, you might be having a heart attack right now. Because uh, <laughs> I was like, I was, I was really pushing myself. So my food, I had planned to take, um, so everything was single-use plastic free. And um, I had planned to take porridge and protein powder but I soon discovered I couldn't stomach it on a big massive paddle so I ended up having wait for it I had a few figs and a few nuts and I'd jump out on the water and you know some days I'd do 45 to 75 kilometers and sometimes I would stop and have a few more nuts and dried fruit (laughs) and then 
Um, I was very fortunate. I was sponsored by um, a flapjack company called Flapjackery, and they were great. They made me my own flapjacks. And as a treat, when I got off the water at the end of the day, I would have one of those. And then um, an expedition food company called uh, Firepot supported me by using biodegradable expedition bags. And I lived off mushroom risotto and chickpea um curry like dal and um i lived off that for two months wow <laughs> that's all you were having <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's all i was having and um but somehow my body my body just you know could cope with that and um and you know the key thing was just making sure i was drinking enough water um i think you know speaking to a lot of personal trainers since i got back they were like what your body managed to perform on that and i think you know it's i think it's because i'm so driven it really helped me to you know smash out these big monster miles i was doing so you think your mindset sort of pushed you past the the area of where your body's running on empty your mindset just pushed you past that anyway and you just carried on yeah, I, I'm basically like an ox. I can keep on going and going. And um, and this is where sometimes, you know, my personal trainer is flabbergasted because they know if they say, oh, you know, go until it hurts, I can keep on carrying on and carry on and they have to stop me um, just because I keep, I'm, I'm just always there trying to push myself further and further. Um, so, yeah, I'm an interesting one. That's that's a great attitude to have, though, you know, to all things in life, I think, you know, just try and push past the pain and just, you know, bear it and carry on. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm very all or nothing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, how long did that, that, that did that journey take um, around Wales? Well, I looked at the maps, speaking to previous people who see character um, and canoed it. I thought, OK, I'll allocate myself. 60 days two months and funny enough I finished bang on 60 days two months and it was like whoo um so I allocated some time when um I couldn't get out on the water because with the sea you're at the mercy of nature that you have to make sure you go out on you know conditions which you are um prepared for and you know there's sometimes where it was wind against tide but very strong winds so I'd have to sit you know sit it out and when I had down days rest days I would stretch I would look at maps I would have strategies of A to Z I would uh, refuel and then also I would gauge with the local community to you know do some um, inspirational talks on the beach or get them involved in a beach clean so I took you know utilized my downtime really efficiently and um, I'm you know pretty stoked that I had no injuries throughout the whole trip which was great wow it's amazing incredible journey um, yeah. and you must have mm-hmm. you must have felt incredible when you actually finished when you got past that finish line oh man I just didn't want to stop I it it was a really surreal moment because I had my film film crew, Chris, and um, from Eastwood Media, and he'd been following me on my journey with, along with Jamie um, and Isaac, and they were there at the end, and they were also liaising with the media, and I had all this tremendous pressure to get there by a particular time, and um, and there was drones flying, and the film crew all all you know waiting to celebrate me coming in, and my friends and family were there, which was lovely. 
but I had so much energy and so much drive. I, I could have actually carried on. Um, you know, I really wanted to carry on and do around Britain. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, I, I just had so much energy and I absolutely loved it. And it was really emotional finishing. And, you know, I can remember two months before how I set off and then two months after I came to the finishing line and, you know, I, I felt like I developed and grown as a person. I saw so many things. I was more at peace with myself. And um, I really enjoyed leading such a simple life that, you know, you're living out of a bag or two bags and, you know, you just have a simple way of living that like you check the maps, check the weather, you know, um, reporting with the Coast Guard and Di, who was my um, emergency contact, she was Angel. And um, and you just had this simple way of living that, you know, set up camp, refueled, packed everything away into your bags, loaded up the board and get onto the water. It was that wonderful way of just having a simple life away from clutter, away from demands. And um, it, was, it was just a real experience just to... to explore that opportunity of just a simple way of life and I I loved it and I thrive on it and um yeah I'm just itching for more now (laughs) yeah you can hear you can hear the passion in your voice when you're actually talking about it I get I guess it just you know reminds you of the the more simpler things in life that you you know that we all should be grateful of um, so yeah, that's you know, so that's um, yeah, it's a really nice story actually, um, and uh, incredible journey which you've been on so far, and I'm sure you'll go on many more. Um, you did mention before um, that you are an enthusiast um, and ambassador um, again, for you know a, a clean planet. What what mm-hmm. do you think the outcome will be if we do continue to use single use plastics? Ah. Uh. It, 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 it heartbreaking heartbreaking and and i feel we we ha- we can't carry on we we have to turn um we are seeing changes and but we've already seen the effects of what is happening on bird life wildlife and and how it is causing detrimental effect with the environment and um for me i'm i'm always a positive person and i always try to raise awareness and inspire people to make changes and that's that's my sort of quest really and for me it's 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 breaking down the unnecessary barriers that we we've put in place for us consumers that we've become a convenient society and we need to shift that we need to shift that mindset we need to have legislation in place we need to have um companies to do better and um and to provide more suitable alternatives a lot of people who i speak to feel guilty for buying things wrapped in single-use plastic but they feel like they haven't got a choice and um and they are aware and they're aware about what impact it has for the next generation. And, you know, for me, it's it's inspiring people to get involved with nature and for them to have appreciation, emotional connection. And, you know, that's by paddleboarding or swimming in the sea or walking. They can see it and, and then they'll have a desire to protect it. And, and that's what I've done with my message. And, you know, for me we can easily solve the issue with the single-use plastic bottles by introducing the deposit return scheme that's been really successful in Scandinavian countries that we've seen a massive reduction 
of single-use plastic bottles um, not thrown in, you know, outside or, you know, they've been properly disposed and reused, which is great. Um, but what we really need to do, I think now, is we've got to change our behaviour. We need to change consumer behaviour. I mean, there's been a lot of people who've been influenced by the David Attenborough movement, which is great. And a lot of people think, oh, I'm making my bit because I'm buying single-use plastic, but I'm recycling it. But we want to go a bit further. We want to find out, can people make do without? Can they find suitable alternatives? And with those suitable alternatives, can it have less impact on the environment? Because Sadly, there's been a lot of greenwashing and a lot of consumers and retailers have been missold products. So for me, it's all about, you know, that opportunity to going back to a simple way of life and to really think, do I actually need this item and see if you can make do, repair, reuse. And that's that's sort of my um, campaign at the moment. And, you know, working with the community, working with schools, and I'm working quite closely with the Welsh Government too. And um, I'm a rep for the awesome environmental charity Surfers Against Sewage, and they do fantastic work. They were one of the key parties who got um, the charge in place for plastic carrier bags. And um, because of that, we've seen a reduction by 85% of plastic carrier wow. bags are not washing up on our beaches, which is amazing. So, um, you know, they're doing really awesome work. And um, what we want to do is just keep keep the messaging out there that um, it, it's great that people are aware of this you know, because of the, the, I'd say, David Attenborough movement. But for the people who aren't aware of it yet, we need to change our messaging. We can't shout louder for them to hear. We need to change our messaging and to really help and support them. Because uh, sadly, in supermarkets, to get loose fruit and veg, sometimes they're more expensive than the fruit and veg wrapped up in plastic. So, you know, for families who are on a tight budget, they have no alternative choice. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of work to be done and, you know, it's great we're seeing the momentum and we just need to keep it going now and put more pressure on the government to actually enforce better legislation. Yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? You know, you, you brushed over a lot there and I think you actually hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, people can watch <clears throat> people can watch it on TV and, you know, they, they do get involved with the David Attenborough movement, which is great, but until you not only see it but feel the impact that it's actually having on our on our own environment on our you know on our homes essentially um you won't do anything drastically about it you'll just carry on as you are until it gets to that point where it is too too far Mm, I I think you're right I think a lot of people it's a bit out of sight out of mind because you know when I was in London you know I'd buy a disposable coffee you know from a takeaway outlet and I thought I was being responsible by putting it in a bin um and it was because I was a convenient society but I didn't know what impact I was actually having um on the environment because there was a massive disconnection and the whole point with my trip around Wales was to try and bridge that gap for any single-use plastic bottles which are bought and then ends up in our water source they end up in the canals the river and then in the sea and um you know the stats are like 150 plastic bottles are found per uh, mile of a uk beach which is wow. frightening and that is. and for people and for people who aren't 
necessarily live on the coast like you know i'm really fortunate but for people who aren't they can't they don't connect what's washing up with the beaches to their normal day-to-day living and it, it and we need to bridge that gap so then when they're in the supermarket it comes into their mind going ah okay i can understand that is actually going to have a massive impact of what i'm buying um and that's what we need to do we, we need to work on shifting consumer behavior that's the big key thing along with obviously along with breaking down the barriers as well yeah yeah i think it's compliance between both parties isn't it um you know hopefully our listeners will you know hear this and they'll make you know small little changes to start with hopefully um the small changes lead up to the bigger changes don't they so hopefully the message gets out there um and and, uh we'll start seeing some differences totally i think you know what, with with my trip going around Wales, when I had the opportunity to speak to the community, I, I asked them during my whole trip going, you know, what pledge, what are you going to give up? What are you going to find alternatives? And, you know, some people were just doing small things by saying, I'm going to change from a plastic toothbrush to a bamboo toothbrush, that they were going to buy instead of uh, shampoo in a plastic bottle, they were going to get shampoo bars. And each one of those changes does make a huge difference. And you then inspire the rest of your community to get involved and make changes and it's a ripple effect and you know we have done so much from people power the grassroots movement has really taken effect we've seen huge changes by uh, supermarkets because consumers have been challenging them and it's been great you know having people's uh, passion and concerns really sort of echoing out the truth of what's going on there and now what needs to complement it is legislation to come in place so it can complement it in both ways yeah yeah definitely no um yeah i think um i think like you say we we all have to get on board with it do our do our bit and um hopefully the changes should come gradually and it is that domino effect isn't it um eventually um yeah so if we go back to the exploration then i mean to sort of end this podcast what explorations do you have lined up for the future and what and what plans in general do you have lined up oh that's a really good question um a lot of people have been watching me to try and find out well, you know what what plans i'm i'm coming up with next and it's it's a hard balance because it's trying to do an expedition with a real purpose and all my trips you know going forward are all single use plastic free i always pick up litter um, engage with the community to get involved to make changes so you know th- you know I'd love to go and explore Greenland Iceland Patagonia um, I'd love to go to Alaska there's so many places and you know I've got a few things bubbling away um, and it's just hatching some plans and um, so yeah watch the space all sounds good, Sean. All sounds great. Um, so I just want to thank you uh, once again for coming on today. Um, it's been absolutely incredible talking to you, talking about your adventures um, and the movement which you're a part of um, with this plastic-free movement. Um, there's one more question I ask all my guests, which I finish the podcast with. Um, and if you thought the others were tough questions, this might be an even tougher one. <laughs> um, so the question is, what is the most valuable thing you have ever learned? Oh, listen to my gut instinct. How, can you um, expand on that a bit? I mean, what, what do you yeah, mean by that? Totally. How has that helped you? 
it helps in all scenarios. So, you know, with my trip, um, there was very challenging conditions. I mean, it was a thousand um, kilometer journey, uh, eight fine ranges, fishing traps, complex waters, big tankers, you name it. You know, I had the second highest tidal range in the world to navigate around. So there was a lot of challenges and um, really interesting conditions. And from my experience from that trip is go within and listen to your gut. What is your gut instinct is telling you? Do you have a hunch you should go for it or do you have a hunch? Mm, I'm not feeling it today because based on, you know, what I did was looking at the tides, the wind, the conditions. I had my whole plan of A to Z of potential locations I will uh, get to um, for that particular day. But what I would do is really go within and listen to my gut instinct to go, shall I go for it or not? Even if the conditions were looking good, there was just something inside me which would say no. And um, there was times where it did say no and I got off the water and, and you know, I did good. And then, you know, times if you ignore that, that's where things can happen. So I think that's a valuable skill to have. Um, and and to add to that, I always tell my customers that um, – when you're going out in the outdoors and doing trips and stuff, you collect lemons. And if you collect a number of lemons, um, you hit the jackpot, but not in a good way. An incident will happen. So, for example, a lemon would be going out paddleboarding on your own, potentially, that you collect a lemon. Another one would be um, your mobile phone signal is patchy. That's another lemon. The other one could be that the conditions aren't good. That's another lemon. You know, so you collect all these lemons. And if you've got a few lemons, basically something is going to happen. Um, so I link in that with my gut instinct and my lemons. And I would say that would sort you out on your expedition. Thank you for listening, guys. If you enjoyed the podcast today, please share it around with your friends and family members and give them the tools to transform their lives as well. I've been Adam Robinson and this is Body, Power, Mind. Oh.